if you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious. Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am very excited to have on the show today, Anne LaFollette. Anne is a surface pattern designer, coach, and founder of a company she started after a 25-year career climbing the corporate ladder at global retailers like Esprit, Gap, and Old Navy. After suddenly and unexpectedly losing her job, she explored her creativity at the age of 55, which is when she discovered surface pattern design. She now runs a thriving entrepreneurial business built around her love of this creative endeavor that includes courses, an art club, a TV channel, and more. And thank you so much for speaking with me today. I am so excited to be here and very grateful that you reached out. It's lovely to be here. Wonderful. Now I'm so excited to hear your story. And especially because your story really touches on many themes of sustainable ambition. And one in particular is finding a new path at a stage of one's career. And I wondered if we could start with you telling us a little bit about your corporate life before you started your current business and then what brought you to what you're doing now. Sure. I mean, I think that um, this is really kind of a good story for people to hear because even though my situation, of course, was different, you know, we are still managing through a very, very challenging time in the world today. And that means a lot of people are being forced to change in ways they probably didn't expect. But my story essentially is when I got out of college, I didn't feel I was creative as a kid, but I didn't have any examples around me of a creative career. I everybody in my family either went the banking route, the lawyer route or the uh, or the doctor route. So I went the corporate route and got a corporate job and worked my way up the ladder at these big retailers. And I have always been an A student. I've I followed direction. I've always been very good about yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. So it came as a big shock to me that once I had actually gotten up to the vice president level that this that I very unexpectedly got laid off. I thought I would be at that job until I got the gold watch. And um, and I share the fact that it was really a shock because you just never know what's going to happen. Literally, I thought that I had been at the same company for 15 years. I thought I was going to have the retirement party and the gold watch. Not not at that point, like in 10 years, you know, I thought I'd be there for another 10 years. And all of a sudden, my boss calls me into his office and he says, Anne, we just eliminated your job. Go talk to human resources and 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 buy. Goodbye. And it just came as a complete shock. I remember they, you know, whenever you look what that happens, the human resources person tells you to go home. They tell you to go home. And so um, guess they want you to like out of the building or whatever. And so I got in my car and I called my mom. She's the first person I called even before I called my husband. And I said, Mom, I can't even believe it. I just got laid off. 
And she said, you know what? Who needs them anyway? <laughs> You're going to figure out something else that's going to be much, much better. And um, it's so important that we have people like that in our lives who are that will always have our back and tell us that, you know what, we're going to be able to, as she would always say, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and keep moving forward. And so I had to figure out what to do next. And to be honest, initially, I thought I just needed to find another corporate job. But that didn't work. And so then I was 56 and then I was 57 and then I was 58. And so um, just to cut to the chase, my husband said, hey, sweetie, maybe maybe someone in the universe is telling you that the corporate the corporate path is no longer viable. So I had a box of art supplies sitting in the basement and it had been collecting dust for 25 years. And I, whenever we would travel, I'd love to stop in the art supply store and I'd buy a new notebook, or some more colored pencils, and I never used anything. It all went into this box in the basement. And so my husband said, well, sweetie, why don't we bring the box up from the basement and why don't you take some time to explore, you know, why you bought all these art supplies to begin with? And so that was the beginning of my transition into discovering what was next for me. Wow, this it's such an interesting story, Anne. I mean, if I can just go back just briefly to this, you know, you you gave that company fifteen years, and so, like you said, you're expecting like, isn't there this shared love? Like, how did you kind of just come to terms with? Because you know, you were a vice president within that company too. You're aware of what like the corporate mindset is and and how, you know, sometimes things happen to business that like it's not because they're mean things just happen within the business that it leads to really unfortunate decisions needing to be made. And I'm sure that conversation with your boss was not an easy one for him to have with you. Um, And so but but to go through that and to you know, how did you just kind of deal with those emotions? Because what I'm hearing from what you're sharing is like, like you said, having your mom and having your husband who have your back and also saw you were kind of like, hey, I see you. And here's like, let me give you some count, like an outside perspective on where to point you next. But how did you kind of deal with those emotions in the interim and kind of navigating from the time that was communicated, I know you said you called your mother for support, but kind of going through this, it's a challenging emotional thing to go through because you said, I also thought I'd go get that corporate next job, but it wasn't working out. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that initially, I mean, initially part of the shock was due to the fact that, you know, all big companies have reorganizations. And um, and so there'd been many, many reorganizations during the 15 years that I was there, but there was always a chair. Right. And so, you know, the kids thing, duck, 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 goose, or I I always get them confused. But there's one where there's a chair that there's somebody who's left without a chair. So I had gone through many of these reorganizations, but there was always a chair. And now all of a sudden there's a reorganization and there is no chair. And um, I was in the top 5% of performers at the company. And so I figured, okay, well, there is always going to be a chair for me, (laughs) not so much. So that was part of the sort of trying to understand, well, wait a minute, how did this possibly happen? Or how did I not read the tea leaves? Because you always sort of figure like, well, it must have been, the writing must have been on the wall and I just wasn't paying attention. Um, But I think that, uh, I think that what I, um, the, the biggest thing that helped me, I think, was the fact that I um, 
you know, that I come from this fabulous family of, that says, you know what, you know, when one door closes, another door opens, you just have to start to pay attention to what that door might be. And uh, as I start, you know, I said at the beginning, I was always creative as a kid, but I didn't have any examples of what to do with my creativity. And so my mom was always telling me, oh, my gosh, your embroidery in the second grade is so beautiful or you're this, you're that, you know, but she didn't have any examples to share with me either. So it was really quite serendipitous that both she and my husband kind of realized that this might be a good time for me to lean into my creativity. I would say that I was pretty depressed. Mm. I was pretty depressed. And so I think that art is also a good healer. Mm. It's a really, really good healer. And that that was another reason why, um, why it was a good path for me to go down. But I do think that initially I was very angry. To be honest, I still have a certain amount of anger. I don't think it's ever really going to go away. Um, I think that I also initially thought, well, I guess that whole thing was a waste of time. So as I started to pivot into this creative journey, which we'll talk more about, I thought, well, I'm never going to use any of those skills. That was a complete waste. And then you realize, of course, that part of that is the anger talking. And part of it is just needing a little bit more time to realize, oh my gosh, I'm I'm going to be a way I'm going to be a way better entrepreneur because I have all of these amazing business skills from having worked in a corporate job for so long. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to talking about that a little bit more. One of the things I was curious about, and you started to allude to it, and I I wonder if it's also tied to your tagline, which is "It's never too late to create." But I've been wondering about like whether or not creativity is something that people search for almost when they're at a certain stage in their career. I've just been starting to hear this, I guess, from other people that I've been in conversation with that they start to long for a creative pursuit. And it sounds like for you, again, you collected art supplies. It kind of was this nascent thing that just, you know, because you didn't have role models out in the world kind of saying like, this is a creative path one could take, you know, and utilize this skill. Uh, But I wonder if you think that creativity, if someone's in the situation that you are in, is creativity something to point towards? Or, um, and, and is that what inspired your tagline or is there any story behind that? Well, I think that the tagline definitely came from the fact that I was, you know, I, I started, I really started to get serious about figuring out how to have an online business, an online creative business right before I turned 60. And so I really wanted to, and, and, and my audience are people like me. They're people who are in their 60s who are just exactly what you said, who have either always been creative, but were told at a young age by a teacher that they didn't have enough talent. And so they just needed to become a secretary or something. Um, or they actually did start to pursue it, but realized back in the day, it was much harder to make money at it because the internet didn't exist. There wasn't all of these other ways for you to get your artwork out into the world, which we are so fortunate to be able to do today. Um, So that it's never too late to create was very much coming from a place of my own reinvention and also wanting to attract an audience that also wants to contribute their art to the world. Part of it now is also legacy. It's like, how do you want to spend the rest of your time on this planet? And we are all realizing every day, 
every day is so precious. We don't know how many more of these days we have. And we also don't know how many more crazy climate changes or or COVID variants or, you know what I mean? There's bigger things out there that are impacting, could impact us. And so it's so important for us to focus on things that bring us joy, creating a legacy. So if we have artwork, we can put it out into the world and it'll always be there even after we're gone. Um, and I do think it's really good for the soul. To be honest, I think that it really is something that allows us to slow down a little bit. And I think one of the things I just was talking to my audience about yesterday was the fact we have to get away from our phones. We have to start to figure out how to detach from that appendage that we now are so connected with because we can't, it doesn't really allow us to ever slow down or to to just be, right? To just be and to just look around and to and to then also lean into our creativity. Yeah, I love that. And you you noted earlier too, like when when you were going through that challenging time right after that the creativity also was a way to that it was uplifting. It gave you something to do and focus on and redirect your energy and spirit. And I think that's slowing down too. You know, you you posted recently on Instagram about your son, an interaction with your son, and you talked about this idea of allowing ourselves to have space and just be. And that's something that really resonated with me and something I've been trying to work on recently because I started the year so busy. And I've been talking about like how important it is to create that space that we need for ourselves. And I know for my own creative work, like I really need to create space for it. And I, it's been a learning process to understand that I need that. So do you find that creating space or just being supports your own creative work and you're kind of, it sounds like encouraging others to find that space as well. Well, I do think that it's one of the keys to sustainability and to making sure that we can have both sustainable ambition and also just sustain ourselves in our, in our own kind of life. And um, it, it has definitely come up a lot recently, both because my son was complaining about being bored and I realized you're not bored. You can't sit still without something, you know, reading something, watching something, getting bombarded with some kind of message. And uh, but I was also realizing that's true for me, too. I roll out of bed, I grab my phone, and I start to look at, you know, the news or emails. <laughs> and so from a sustainability perspective, I think it is really important for us to be able to slow down a little bit and recharge our batteries. And what I loved about the, I took an online course, so it's really great. It's very meta. I now offer online courses, but I started my invention, reinvention by taking someone else's online course. And I absolutely love her. Her name is Carla Sondheim. People can look her up at carlasondheim.com. She's up in Seattle and she offers um, very short form art classes, but she also has an one annual class. So I took her annual class and every two weeks you got a new tutorial in a video format. And so I never, I didn't go to art school. I have an East Asian studies major. So I, you know, so I never went through sort of the paces of learning how to do an outline or learning how to do, you know, um, left-handed drawing or with your wrong hand, I'm left-handed, but with your wrong hand or all of those things you learn in art school. And so this particular class is very much like that. And I just, first of all, I'm a great student. So of course I did all the homework, but it also allowed me in between each of the lessons to kind of reflect on both what I was learning, how I was feeling and what was resonating with me. 
And one of the classes later in the year was actually surface design. It was creating a repeating pattern by hand. And that was the beginning of being really, really hooked on that particular topic. Mm, That's great. And then tell us more now about your current venture and how you've taken that spark. So it sounded like as you were taking that class, you were kind of paying attention to what was resonating with you. And that led into this current venture advent, you know, that you've been creating. So what makes up this business that you've started as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I learned surface design and I'd never heard of it before. And it's so funny that that's the case because, well, a lot of people have never heard of it before, but I worked in retail, clothing retail, where they sell a lot of things with patterns on them. And, but I was not on that side of the business. I wasn't in marketing. I wasn't in design. I was in operations, inventory management stores, the store side of the business. So surface design is essentially taking any little kind of sketch or drawing, bringing it into Adobe Illustrator, and then creating something that repeats endlessly from side to side and top to bottom. And you can put it on fabric, you can put it on wallpaper, you can put it on wrapping paper. If most people who are listening look around themselves, they'll probably see at least three things with a pattern on it. Could be the dresser, the you know, blouse they're wearing, could be the carpet under their feet. Uh, if they're at home, it could be some wallpaper that they have in a room in their house, or it could just be the cushions on their on their couch. But I absolutely fell in love with it. It was a great combination of both drawing by hand and doing a lot of things, a lot of artwork by hand, but then also taking advantage of bringing it into the computer. And uh, and so I love that kind of combination of uh, digital and analog. And um, and so as I started to learn more about it and also how to just make money myself at it with stationary line and a, a variety of um, there are a variety of different ways you can make money at it, both as a licensed artist, but also by selling it on what's called print on demand sites. And without getting too technical, I then discovered how passionate I, I was about it and how much I wanted it to teach it to others. And part of the reason I wanted to teach it to others was because, first of all, it's a great way to take artwork that you already have and get more mileage out of it. Um, And it's also just an incredibly joyful practice that has so many different components to it um, and so many opportunities for you to do it as a hobby or to do it as a serious business. And so that really led me into teaching. And that's the best part about my business. The best part about my business now is actually my students who I absolutely adore. Wow. It sounds so impressive. And that like all of what you're building. And then what's also impressive is how much you've learned over the course of this time, meaning you're like, I was in operations. I wasn't even doing what some might say is creative kind of affiliated work. Right. And so, but you had to go to like, not only learn kind of the basics of art, say just as a broad category, but then surface design as well, but you're learning how do I sketch? Adobe Illustrator, which is not an easy program to learn. And then you're learning, you know, what software should I use to run my business? You know, I've created websites on Squarespace, et cetera. You know, I mean, it takes time to learn all this stuff. And you also have to be willing to be a a learner, right? To, To dig into learning again and be okay with not being good at things at the start. So how did you, like, where did you find the confidence or the resilience to kind of put yourself into learning mode is as an, as an entrepreneur, as you were starting to build this digital business? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think that there are sort of many uh, layers to it for me. One is I realized that I come from a family of teachers. My mom was a teacher. My um my uncle is a teacher. Um, my husband's parents were both school teachers. Um, and there are many other family members who actually, my oldest sister is a teacher. She's a professor at UMass Amherst. Um, so there was a lot of kind of teaching kind of out there, which I think um, gave me some confidence that I could be good at teaching. I think that the second part was I have always been a lifelong learner. I love to learn new things. And so one of the things in my corporate, in the corporate world was that every three years or so, I got to do something different because I wanted to do something different. I wanted to learn something different. And so I got moved around a lot, which was really, really fun because I was always learning something new. Um, I think the third thing that I would say is that because I was a lifelong learner, I, my mom also, um, my mom died two years ago, but she's always with me every single day. And she taught me everything I know. And I miss her every day, but she um, she's so happy to see what I'm doing now. And I was already on this path before she left us. And so she was definitely, she, she knew that this was gonna be an incredible place for me to be for the next this next part of my life. But the reason I brought her up again is because she always said, if you need to learn something, go to the pros. <laughs> so invest in your learning and go find the person who knows how to do it the best and learn from them. And so I went to Harvard and when I was trying to figure out what courses to take, she said, don't worry about the course, go find the professor, go find the professor, go find the best professors to take whatever they're teaching and you'll be, you'll be good to go. And I love that philosophy and I embrace that philosophy. And so as I had to learn about, you know, how to do business online, I learn. I mean, I have mentors still today because I'm in a lot of their coaching programs who have been incredibly supportive. And Amy Porterfield is one and she's the guru on, you know, she's got this take my course on how to make a course online <laughs> and and Jeff Walker. I'm actually featured in Jeff Walker's book that's called Launch that just came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, launch, he, he teaches you how to launch your, your whatever, whether it's a physical product or an online product. And so he's a huge mentor of mine. And Stu McLaren, who's the guru in the space and in the online space about memberships. Of course, I took his course and learned all about how to have a membership. And so I basically try to go to the source. I think that's such wise advice. And this kind of, you know, continual learning, you know, being committed to that continual learning, but also the idea of going to the pros to really get counsel, which, by the way, your mother sounds like she was quite a wise woman. And to have that her in your court and kind of giving you this counsel all along throughout your life sounds like it was really um, just amazing, you know, and, and really wonderful guidance all along the way to kind of coach you, um, towards taking the, the best next steps. It sounds like. Yeah. She was a remarkable, remarkable mom and, yeah. uh, and definitely always very, very wise, very, very wise. So I'm curious now where you are with your business, what are your current ambitions and how you're looking to build really sustainable growth in your online creative business? I mean, you've already created so much and I know these, these businesses, they can start to get complex and there's a lot that you're doing. So what, what's next for you and how are you creating that sustainability for yourself? 
Yeah, so I think that what's great is that um, I am very focused on the sustainability aspect and 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 trying to remind myself why why am I doing this in the first place? And because part of it is I am have always been very ambitious, and I also have always had my mom also always said, you know, you got to stand on your own two feet. You don't know what's going to happen in the, you just never know what's going to happen. You got to have your own income, got to be able to stand on your own two feet. And so when I lost my job, my husband and I made the same amount of money. So all of a sudden our income is cut in half. And it took me five years to buy it with, through this new business to get back up to now I'm way past what I used to make, but, but initially it was just all I want to do is just get back to parity so that I feel like I'm contributing to the household. I can pay my fair share of the bills of the mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't care about any of that, but I care about that. That's kind of part of my DNA. Um, but then once you get to the place where you are making money again and have a sustainable business, um, then it's really important to figure out, well, now where does the joy come from or is there enough joy or how can I now give back? And also, how can I make sure that it is sustainable so that I don't feel like, well, I got to double the business every year for some crazy reason. Uh, so I think that as I think about sustainability, it's really kind of um, now I have this is my second full year. Right. So my, I initially I sold my first program online in um, in late 2018. Um, that was my first membership. And then in 2019 is when I actually launched my online course, which is the uh, which is a big part of my business now. But it's just one course. And part of what Amy preaches is you only need one asset that you sell again and again and again. You don't have to create a whole panoply of courses. Um, so I totally buy into and have uh, made that happen in my business. And um, 2020 was an incredible year because a lot of people were at home. So I felt I felt like that was um, I was I was incredibly grateful to be able to provide people who needed something to do while they were stuck at home and to provide this opening of the door really uh, towards their creativity and what it could mean for them. Um, and then this year was more around, okay, so can I sustain that level of business or, you know, is it going to be really different or is part of it going to go away because now people are back at work. Um, and it's really kind of stabilized. It's really kind of stabilized. Um, and which is great, which is great. And so my, I guess, key approach to sustainability is I, I'm not really interested in adding more, more things. It's not like more is more. I think that I can do continue to improve what I already offer, improve what I offer every single year, add even more value to the students who come into my creative community and, um, and continue to showcase them more so that I can help them when they're launching their businesses. And that's become a big part of my business now is supporting each one of them as they decide what they want their creative practice to look like um, and making sure that I'm there for them. Mm, that's really interesting. So you're being really thoughtful about how do you kind of craft your business so it's not too many tentacles, if you will, that you need to kind of manage. And then is it that that is that when you added your coaching in, Anne? And is that do you see that as a separate co like offer or is it just, you know, that's already kind of it supports what you already have built in terms of this this course that you offer. So it's not it's not as cumbersome, if you will, to kind of offer it as as a service, if you will, to your community and the folks who are already taking some of your courses or are part of your membership. 
Yeah, it's sort of an, it's very interesting. You know, everybody's business is different, of course. And so frequently people will have a membership kind of at the, is the first way people come into their community. And then they say, well, if you want to go even deeper, you can come in by this course. That's a, ten, you know, eight week course or 10 week course. I, I actually have people come into a free workshop that I'm going to be offering again in September. It's called, it's my free mini course which is called From Doodles to Dollars. We'll make sure everybody has the link if they want to go through it with me. But um, at the end of that free mini course, people can come and uh, come into my paid program, my Pattern Design Academy program. And then when that wraps up, they can come into my membership. And so my, uh, my coaching program really evolved very organically. It was sort of out there on my website, but I wasn't really pushing it that hard. So it's very much of a... Um, you know, it's an application only, but uh, but it's also it ends. It has a tendency to be the people who are the most serious about really creating their own online business and needing that additional support that you get with one on one coaching. Mm, okay, yeah. Well, and I wanted to come back to something that you mentioned because I think it's really interesting, and I'm going to perhaps connect it to some another um, topic, but. It's kind of like almost around this idea of like, what are you really looking for from your work right now? But then I want to tie it to, you know, you said like, hey, I thought I was going to go get another corporate job. I thought that's what I should just do. It, you know, circumstances led you to creating this business. And, and you said, I am now earning more than what I earned at my corporate job. And oftentimes people might think that that's not possible or that it's really that corporate job or that steady job might be the thing that's going to be what will allow them to maximize their income. And, you know, we, we can say like, not everyone's business is the same. You, you've been successful with what you've done. Like not everyone may be quite as successful, but still you've been able to accomplish that. And I don't know between like, um, I just wonder if you have any thoughts on for people who are looking towards doing what you might be doing or what they might be able to do as a second life and kind of have this hindrance around like, well, I don't know if I can make as much. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, I think that it's very important to, so I always like to start with strategy first. It's really, really important for people to zoom out and be really strategic about what it is that they want to do. If they're pivoting or if they're just, or they're sort of in this, I just want to think about it a little bit. And it's great to be able to think about what you might want to do next when you still are in a job. So I had to do it all when I was making zero bucks, right? Um, and so I definitely much prefer it if you have a job still and you can start to craft exactly what you want this next space to look like so that you can smoothly transition out of your J-O-B into your entrepreneurial um, next step. Uh, but that's not possible for a lot of people either, because a lot of us are type A. We're 200% devoted to our jobs, and we have zero time for anything else when we get home from those jobs. Um, and so that's a real, you know, that's a real challenge. I think the other thing that it's so important for people not to compare themselves. One of my students, Kathleen Lambert, who I absolutely adore, she says, don't compare your blooper reel to somebody else's highlight reel. And I think that one of the things that I was really fortunate you know, I was, I was really fortunate. A, I have the type of personality where I love to learn and I'm willing to go start from scratch and, you know, pick up my bootstraps or whatever that expression is. And uh, because I know that if I put one foot in front of the other and if I study and if I implement, 
And I, one of the key things is you got to stop learning and you got to start doing at some point in time. Um, so one of my caveats, whenever I bought something, if I bought an online course that was a couple thousand dollars, I said, okay, I'm going to implement what this person is teaching me by the end of the course so that I get my money back. And then I don't know if I'll go past that, but at least I have to implement enough so that I get my money back because then I'm still, you know, I'm kind of break even, if you will. Um, but I think that where I was going with the comparison trap is that, or this comparison game is that it steals your joy. And it also is, I, I was alone. I mean, I have my husband, my husband works full time. My son was in college when I was reinventing myself. He, he went to the Rhode Island School of Design and did an architecture degree there. And part of my, part of my realizing, well, maybe I am kind of creative was my son went to art school, <laughs> so, um, which was such a joy to see him pick an art school to go to for college, which is amazing. He's so incredibly talented. Um, but part of that was like allowing myself to sort of say, hmm, well, maybe I could do something creative too. Um, but that's a little off topic. What I wanted to end this sort of part of the conversation around the comparison trap is that I could dedicate myself full time to this. I do not have grandkids. I do not have parents living with me. I, my dad is still alive, but he doesn't live with me. And, um, and Matt was off in college and Tom works full time. So I had zero distractions. <laughs> so I could really devote myself full time to this. And that's not everyone's situation. So you have to give yourself grace and realize it might take you longer. It might, it, it will take you longer. Most likely it will take you longer because I'm a bit of a workaholic. Um, that doesn't mean you can't do it. If I was able to do it in my sixties, I'm 63 now. Um, and it involved Adobe Illustrator, which is no joke in terms of a computer program. Anyone out there can do it. It's really just a question of stepping back, thinking really strategically about what it is that you want, and then going after it in baby steps, little small baby steps, man, you know, and give yourself grace with everything else you have to manage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just gave us some, some counsel and advice, and I'm curious if there's anything you would add, like being on the other side of this transition, and being a creative digital entrepreneur, like anything else that people should think about doing or any watchouts too, Anne? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is that I love every day. I am a different person. I mean, my mom saw this, my husband saw this, my son saw this, my whole, my whole family saw it. I wake up and I jump out of bed and I cannot wait to work on something that is either art related, that's part of my own, what I'm getting, what I'm, you know, selling and getting out into the world or supporting my students. And so I, it's a completely different life experience than when I was in my corporate job. And even though I actually, I really loved my corporate job. There's a ton of, ton of that corporate job that I absolutely loved, but this is totally different. And it's so incredibly empowering. I get to decide what I'm going to do every day. And being your own boss is amazing. And when you're creating something, especially, you know, and, and this is probably true for other, other creative pursuits other than surface design, but when you create something and you can put it into someone's hands like wrapping paper that has your design on it. When you get that first package that arrives at your doorstep and you open it up, it's like, oh my gosh, this is wrapping paper that has my freaking design on it. The sense of both empowerment and joy and excitement and accomplishment is hard to describe. It's hard to describe. Um, 
I think on the watch outside, it would just be burnout. Like we started to talk about at the beginning was you can be all in and realize that you're spending too much time in front of the computer and that you need to get, my husband got me a Fitbit so that I would be reminded, like, you know, it pings you if you haven't moved. It like vibrates if you haven't moved in 45 minutes. And so we need those types of um, little, little, uh, helpers to make sure that we do get up and we get exercise and we get enough rest and we drink enough water and we go outside and look around. And that would be the biggest watch out is to pace yourself. Yeah. Pace yourself. It's so interesting. Cause again, when one is ambitious, that's the trap, you know, you get excited about what you're doing and you're, I can see and hear and your passion for this work and what you're doing, you know, you're in it. And so um, this need to kind of really, and we talked about earlier, do those things that sustain yourself. I think the tricky part probably for you too, is part of what you're doing, your creative work is what sustains you as well. <laughs> so, but that's why it's important to create that space, get off our phone, other things like that to really help build our resilience and, and sustain us over time. Yes. And what's great is that, I mean, it has not turned into a feeling like a chore. So I think people sometimes will ask me, well, wait a minute, now that you've actually turned what you used to love to do in your free time into this big business, doesn't it now feel like it's kind of a chore? So like if you love to cook and then all of a sudden you work at a restaurant, do you not like to cook anymore? And um, and that just hasn't been the case. And I don't know if that's because it's in the creative space or because I have this really nice mix of things that I do to sell my own artwork and also teaching. And I get so I get such an incredible amount of, um, of I, mean, I get so inspired by my students. My students are all way more talented than me. They have so much to offer to the world. And if I can help them in some small way make progress towards that it just feels to me like that is worth doing it's totally totally worth doing yeah it's so amazing i'm curious now and it, it as you think about it you said you're 63 typically people talk about retirement at 65 you thought you were going to get the gold watch and You've also talked about how this stage is different than what you were doing in your corporate career. So I'm wondering how you're thinking about this stage and do you see an end or are you kind of like, I don't know, I'm just going to play this out and see where it goes. I love it so much. Like, why would you kind of start thinking about an end? But how do you think about the stage that you're in right now? So I still feel like I'm pretty or in the pretty early stages of this. Um, because I've only really been doing it for three years, right? 2019, 2020, and we're in 2021. Um, however, I listen, if we can start to travel again, then I want to get all my peeps together for a creative retreat somewhere. So, it, you know, I haven't met any, I, I have hardly met any of the people who I teach. And so I'm actually going to go to Europe in September, fingers crossed that I'm able to, you know, go to the countries I want to go to, and I'm going to go visit my students. I have a whole bunch of them in Sweden. I have a whole bunch of them in, Euro, in the UK. I have some in France. And of course, I got tons in America, but I am, I am, I want to now, I think we need Mm. online communities are incredible and they've been a an absolute lifesaver, right? During this whole pandemic timeframe, creating these online communities, finding an online community that gets you and that believes in you and supports you has been 
really, really, really critical. Uh, but we still want to see each other and hug. <laughs> I'm a big hugger. And so that's part of what I kind of dream about is how could I potentially add into the business some physical, you know, some some incredibly beautiful creative retreats where we can all hang out together and and continue to learn together, but more importantly, just just see see each other and touch each other and hug each other. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I know many people are looking forward to that. And hopefully this, you know, we'll see what happens with the pandemic and hopefully your travels are can still happen in September and happen safely. Um, I'd love to just transition as we get towards our end of our time, just a couple of quick what I call rapid fire questions that I wanted to kind of ask you. Um, when you think about it now, how do you define success for yourself? me, I think it's really making sure that I'm spending time on something I truly love and that um, and that I have the opportunity to, to set the limits on terms of what that looks like. Mm. What's one thing you must fit into your days to sustain you? So coffee with my husband in the morning. It's like he, he gets up before I do. He makes a cup of coffee. I can smell it in the house. And then I come downstairs and grab a cup of coffee. And then we kind of try, have, try to make sure that before we both go into the whatever work we're doing, <laughs> we spend a little bit of time together. That is really, really important as a way to start my day and to, and to not pick up the phone, to, to delay <laughs> picking up the phone or turning on the computer for a few more minutes. That's great. What's your favorite way to take a break or pause? So I love to go for walks. I live in this tiny town called Mill Valley that's outside of San Francisco. It's, you know, it's just past Sausalito when you cross the Golden Gate Bridge. And it's the most beautiful place. We're so incredibly blessed to live here. And I can literally walk out the door of the garage. I'm sitting in my creative studio, which used to be our little one car garage. Our, our house is over a hundred years old. So there's a teeny, teeny car garage, but I can walk out the door and I can go for a hike. There are all of these stairs up the side of them sort of little hills that are throughout Mill Valley. And so that is, that's my go-to. What's your best time-saving or productivity tip? So that would be um, putting on a timer for 45 minutes using my phone so that I get up after 45 minutes. And mm. it is an incredible way to, to focus your attention. I think that's, it's a technique called the Pomodoro technique. And sometimes it's just 25 minutes. I think you can kind of set whatever time you want, but, um, but I definitely, uh, that's a great productivity tip. Cause I think that we can frequently feel like we have to be multitasking and let me, I'll do a little bit of email and I'll do a little bit of this video and I'll do a little bit of, of, um, of, you know, create, finish this one design. And that never really works that well, or certainly all, that means all of, completing all of those projects takes longer. So that is my, um, that works really, really well for me. It's like working in 45 minute increments and then I'll get a couple cup, then I'll get a glass of water or I'll go walk around the block and then I'll move on to the next thing. Mm, that's great. What's one thing you can't live without? I think my family, you know, my family and the fact that they are just so amazing. And um, so, can, you know, my son graduated in 2020, which means he's part of that class that we'll all remember forever that didn't get a graduation. And but he's got a job and it's just wonderful to see him get up in the morning and go off to the office because he physically can go to the office because it's a very small firm and uh, to see how he is, you know, starting his life and and, um, you know, because last year was tough on 
kids of every age. It's tough on families who had to homeschool all of a sudden. I mean, it was really, really tough. So I think I'm just incredibly grateful to see how we're how we are all emerging from from a very, very tough time and and moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And having that closeness of family um, to support us and to support you during this time. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, and this has been a fabulous conversation. I'm so grateful that you are willing to share your story with others and show that people can get past, you know, something that can be kind of a shocking, you know, circumstance of losing one's job, but then finding their way towards something else and that there can be life after a corporate job. So um, just a final question for you, would you have a final piece of advice on how people can achieve sustainable ambition? I think that pacing is really important. And I am, you know, I do, I take, you know, I have an annual calendar and at the beginning of the year to, or towards the end of the year, I, I put big post-it notes on certain months of the year to kind of try to block out my time. And, um, and then I will take, as I add more details, I'll take stuff off because I'm used post-it notes. And so they're super easy to add them and take them, move them around. And um, that provides me with a strategic roadmap for the whole year. Uh, but it also allows me to see if I've got way too much that's going to be going on in a particular month because I've said yes to too many other people or what have you. And so from a sustainability perspective, I'm very visual. And so it's very helpful for me to kind of have a year at a glance to understand, OK, when are, do I have enough breaks built in? And um I'm sure I learned this from someone, probably Michael Hyatt, maybe, who's got an incredibly fabulous full focus planner. So I might have learned it from him or from somebody else who's more of a productivity guru. But that helps me is that's the way I kind of zoom out to look at. So I'm actually just starting to think about 2022 and and ensuring that from a sustainability perspective, I actually know what each month kind of is looking like. And of course, I can make adjustments as needed, but it's it's help, it helps me to be come from a visual place so that I can physically see it and then move things around appropriately. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's a, something that's been coming up with uh, others in terms of this idea of, you know, don't necessarily think that you're going to have work-life balance in each moment or each day, but to kind of, you know, take a broader view, as you're saying, take that meta view and a longer time period and making sure that you're both not overloading yourself, but also, um, you know, building in those times for pauses as well, or breaks or things that will sustain you. So um, I love that. And like you're saying, for people who are visual, make it visual so, so that you can really see it. Um, that's great. So, Anne, what can we do for you and where can people find you? I'll definitely capture all of this in the show notes and your doodles to dollars class as well. But where can people find you or anything else we can do to support you? So I'm so grateful to have been here. This has been an incredible conversation. And so thank you so much for having me here today. People can follow me on my, um, you know, they can follow me on Instagram at Anlafollet Art. You can learn more about my programs on my website, which is also anlafolletart.com. And there are um 
there are opt-ins on my website for my free doodles course, um, as well as for my paid academy program. And so people can just scroll down on, the, on that lead page and pretty much find everything that they need. And there's a link to my anti-TV, blah, blah, blah. So every, everything is kind of there. They can go to amifalletart.com and explore to their heart's content. Awesome. Well, and as I said, I will definitely capture that in the show notes for everyone. Thank you again, Anne. This was so great to be with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.